This is not one of those things where like, we're only gonna be talking about how you can help us. Um, really, I wanted to approach this as a means for like, hey, how can we help you? And, and how can we like elevate you? And how can we help you do what God has called you to do, fulfill uh, the vision that God has called you to fulfill? And so this talk tonight, as I've shared, is um, I'm, I'm going to title it Hopes to Habits, and we'll get hope, turning hopes into habits, and we'll kind of talk about that and what that means in just a moment. But, you know, I think when it comes to, like, vision, and when it comes to a dream or, like, a desire or longing, I think most of us have some form or some sort of vision uh, that we desire or longing that we have for our lives. I think most of us have something that we are kind of... Um, you know, believing for or moving toward or hoping that we are moving toward something that we see kind of down the road. You know, I'm 36. I'll be 37 this year, which like, I mean, I'm officially in my late 30s, uh, which is weird. And it's, you know, but I'm still young. And, and so I don't know how much more life I have. Um, but I'm assuming my, you know, and I'm hoping and I'm, and I'm intending for my life to move toward this vision, you know, that I believe God has placed on my heart. And, and, and really, you know, what that is, is just what we want to accomplish or, or what uh, really kind of maybe better summed up how we want to be remembered or what we want to be remembered for. That's really when you think about your vision, when you think about that desire, that longing for your life, that's what you want. That's ultimately what you care about is how will you be remembered? What will you have accomplished? What is it that kind of stands at the end of your life that you look back on with pride and with a sense of accomplishment or fulfillment or satisfaction? Now, some of us kind of take those hopes, some of us take those desires, some of us take those longings, and we kind of craft them into, like I said, a vision where it's like, hey, this is kind of like explicit. This is something directionally there. You know, I see kind of the way I would kind of characterize a vision is um, being able to see a destination and I am actively and intentionally moving my life toward that place. Okay, that's the difference between like a vision and a desire. A desire is kind of something that's out there. It's a longing. It's, you know, a dream. Um, but a vision is when you see the destination and you are actively and intentionally moving your life in that trajectory. Yet so few people actually end up arriving to that place. So few people end up arriving at the destination or fulfilling those dreams or achieving those uh, desires or satisfying those longings and seeing that vision come to fruition. In fact, most people sort of just hope that vision turns into a reality. Most people hope that like one day I'll just look around and this will be there. <laughs> this thing that I long for, whether it's a relationship, whether it's some sort of like mission or whether it's some sort of like, uh, you know, success benchmark, they just hope that like at the end of the life, at the end of their lives, um, they will have just arrived, but they don't really know or understand that you actually have to work or, or, or do some things to see it realized. You see, I, I believe for most people, we just kind of, in a sense, do what we normally do or do what we know to do, and then think and cross our fingers and offer some prayers and, and just... Pray to God that 30 years from now, I'll be where I think I could be or where I hope or where my heart longs to be. And, and yet the, the sad reality of that, like I said, that's for most people. But I think the sad reality is that most people are actually just two or three decisions away from moving in a direction that actually helps them fulfill God's vision for their lives. 
Like, think about that. Most people are just two or three decisions away from being on track to fulfilling God's vision for their lives. Now, if you ask me, that doesn't seem like that much. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult, or not difficult. It doesn't seem like that's that unattainable to be just a matter of a handful of decisions or less to actually being on track to fulfilling God's vision. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to get it, right? Because a track is different than an accomplishment. And so you're on a track moving toward a destination. Doesn't mean you can't blow it. Doesn't mean that it can't get messed up or compromised or jeopardized or anything like that. But when you think about your personal life and the vision that God has for you, I sincerely believe that most people are just two or three decisions away from being on track to fulfilling this vision. And the difference between those who do fulfill God's vision for their lives and those who don't are those who simply put these steps into practice. Those who simply remain disciplined and commit to the process throughout the whole or the totality of their lives. In other words, those who are willing to turn their hopes into habits. You see, because a dream or a desire or a longing without a process or a plan or a path is just a wish. If you don't have a mechanism or a pathway to move you in this direction, then what you are doing at best is just wishing for something else. You might as well go out and play Mega Millions, which is something Krista asked me to do every time it gets above like $400 million. And it's a long shot and we do it anyway. But that's what you might as well be doing with your life. If you don't have a process, if you don't have a path, then all you're doing is just wishing for something to come true. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you a series of steps. You see, I'm, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm 36 going on 37. And shortly after my 18th birthday, so over half my life ago, God outlined for me, not outlined, I shouldn't say that. God gave me a dream, a vision of where my life could be. And it's here right before you. Like I'm living in this picture that God gave me in August of 2004. He said, one day you're going to be in New York City starting a church. Now, my dream has not been fulfilled. I am in route. I am on, like, in process for this plan and this path. But there are some things that I've learned along the ways, uh, despite distractions, despite challenges, despite being, you know, imploding my life. All of these things that I'm going to share with you tonight are things that I've implemented and things that I've adhered to and things that I've tried to follow in my life to bring this vision that you're sitting in to reality, to turn that from just a hope when I was amongst a group of other 18-year-old Bible college freshmen who all had similar hopes and desires and dreams as I did. And yet so few of us are actually doing those things we talked about some 18, nearly 19 years ago. And so I'm going to share these five steps with you, these five steps that you can use, you can utilize, you can implement, you can follow to turn hopes into habits. Okay, so here's step number one. Step number one is simple. Identify the why behind the what. Identify the why behind the what. In other words, what is the destination, right? What is your vision? And you may not have that just yet, and, and that's okay. That's, that's not something of, uh, that's not like, something that makes you less than it, if that makes sense. But when I think about like getting to that place, you have to identify the why behind the what. For instance, if your vision is, I just want to be rich. 
awesome, cool, don't we all? But that's not really like some sort of vision that matters. See, the why is the purpose behind the what. The why is why it matters. The why is what's going to help you stick it out when everything else is coming against it. The why is the intentionality, the deliberate thing that says, no, this is why this matters. And you know what I found is that the why, or, or the, excuse me, the what isn't just told or, or tied to something that like, is just going to personally benefit me, whether that's being rich, whether that's finding a spouse who's going to pay my bills, uh, whether that's, listen, people out there want that stuff. And I get it. I get why you want it. But if that's your vision, it's like, one day I just want to be happily married and have someone take care of everything I need. Listen, you're in for a rude awakening. Not because it can't happen, but you're going to find yourself at the end of your life being wholly dissatisfied because there's no purpose behind that. Short of God assigning or ascribing purpose to it. And so you've got to identify the why behind the what. In order to have this unwavering vision, you need to have meaningful purpose. You see, if you want to kind of adhere to this vision, if you want your life, you see where you're headed and you see that destination and you want to kind of orient your life toward that destination, you need unwavering purpose, or or excuse me, you need meaningful purpose to keep that vision from wavering side to side or giving up or moving onto something else or the next big thing or the next idea or the next disappointment, whatever it is. You need that purpose to say, no, this is why this matters. And it can't just be for you. Because we give up on us all the time. It has to be bigger than you. It has to be beyond you. So you have to identify the why behind the what. But it's not just identifying the why behind the what. Step number two, you have to start with the end in mind. Now, now I've shared this before, um, but I am, uh, a lot of times people will say, well, well, Ricky, what do you do? And, or, or, or what, you know, how would you characterize what you do? And oftentimes if I'm talking to a stranger, they say, well, what do you do? Usually I, I say something like, well, I, I build bridges. And, you know, they're like, oh, really? Well, and I'm, well, not like that. Um, but I, but I, I build bridges. See, I'm really good at kind of figuring out where people want to be and helping work backwards from there to figure out what, how to get there. And so in my mind, I'm constantly, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, whether it's in friendships, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in casual conversations, I am constantly thinking through the end in mind. And I'm saying, where do you want to be? And then how do we work backwards? You see, because if you can think with the end in mind, then you can reverse engineer the process. You begin to work backwards and say, okay, well, if this is where I want to be, then I can see what I'm doing right now is not going to help me. Think of it this way. Have you ever gotten onto a commercial flight and the pilot not know where the destination is? Yes or no? No, of course not, right? Thank God. Because the pilot knows starts with the end in mind. Now, I have gotten on a flight where they didn't have enough fuel to get us to the end destination. That was awesome. I'm still here. And I spent several lovely hours in the Columbus airport with no food. But the pilot always starts with the end in mind. The same has to be true for your life, and the same has to be true for this vision for your life. You have to start with the end in mind. You see, we are great at doing this. Listen, here's the good news. You are instinctively aware of this and and actually pretty good at it. 
because you're accustomed to using things like maps. So you use Google Maps or you use Apple Maps for some terrible reason, and you use those things to get to where you need to be. So you start with the end in mind. And you work backwards and say, this is where I'm going. This is the town. This is the city. This is the address. This is the block. This is the neighborhood. This is the restaurant. And you start with the end in mind. But we're not so great at doing this for our lives. We lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of the moment. And we say, oh, well, here I am. And this is just YOLO, baby. I'm in the moment. But you've got to start with the end in mind. You realize there's a why behind the what. You start with the end in mind. Then step three, eliminate distractions and burdens. I always think about Hebrews, and, and the writer of Hebrews, you know, he or she writes and says that we lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And that and, again, English is my second language, but from what I understand, and is a conjunction, meaning it's joining two different thoughts or ideas together. So, Sin is one thought. Yeah, we should definitely let go of those things. But the writer says, the weights, that's a separate thing. You see, they're separate things that, like, yeah, we all would look and and probably in agreement say, yeah, there's things that we should not be doing. There are wrong things that we should avoid. There are sinful things that we should not engage in. There are, you know, behaviors, patterns, addictions, such uh, things like that that are, of course, that are never going to help us fulfill God's vision for our lives. But there are also weights, things that stand in the way, distractions and burdens. And listen, here's what I can't understand for the life of me. I cannot understand why someone would seek to move toward a vision for their life while carrying loads and loads of burdens, loads and loads of distractions. And and here's why. Not because they're foolish for carrying those things. Because I realize that on this path, there are already enough challenges. There are already enough distractions. There are already enough opposition. There are already enough resistance. There's already enough resistance. Why would you make it heavier? Why would you make it harder? Now, here's why. I'll tell you why. Because we're comfortable being saddled by things that we've grown accustomed to. And one of the things that I realized in my own life is that, man, I have to be willing to let go of certain things. And when I've been unwilling to let go, God, by his grace and out of his mercy, has been forcefully removing those things from my life. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Listen, if someone or something has left you, God doesn't need it to bless you. And and yet we're so like, oh, if that guy or that girl or that job or that person or that city, if they were just here, if I could just kind of like clamor back toward that thing or this hang up or this, you know, thing that like it's kind of become a crutch of sorts. It's like, man, you have to eliminate those things. They're distractions. They're taking you off the path. They're burdens. They're slowing you down. Again, you don't see Olympic runners or any runner, for that matter, carrying extra weight. They wear shorts that are too short and shirts that are too thin. (laughs) They're trying to go fast. They're moving quick because they're eliminating the burdens, the things that are going to slow them down and compromise their ability to make it to the destination. 
So you've got to do the same. And I don't know what it might be for your life. It might be relationships. It might be some sort of job situation. It might be some place where you hang out. It might be some sort of conversations that you engage in with your coworkers or your colleagues or whatever it is. But there are things that we have to be willing to let go of, to prune back, to prune away, and say, listen, you know what? This thing, this situation, this circumstance, this person, this conversation, this matter is actually not helping me move forward and allowing me to fulfill the vision that God has for my life. Step four, you need to know your true north and know how to self-correct. You need to know your true north and know how to self-correct. Now, if you think about a compass, again, we're good with GPS, right? We're good with like Google Maps, again, Apple Maps for whatever reason, and God forbid if you want to annoy the mess out of everyone in the car, use Waze. Um, like, but we're good with those things. But so much of life is actually guided by a compass. And we know this is the direction. This is the way I need to head. The destination is that way. But when we're used to like a GPS, turn left here, turn right here, we become paralyzed when it's like, oh, well, what, well, what do I do? There's a wall. There's resistance. There's opposition. Well, I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. See, inevitably, you will get distracted. Inevitably, you will be sidetracked. So you need the ability to learn to navigate those distractions, to learn to course correct, to learn to be able to say, here, here is my true north, and if there's an obstacle, I'm going to go over it. If there's a wall, I'm going to go around it. If there's a barrier, I'm going to go under it. If there's something standing in my way, then I just need to press through it. Because north is the direction I need to go, and I need to course correct. You know, years ago, when Chris and I first got married, we moved from Jacksonville, Florida, to uh, Portland, Oregon. And we decided to drive across the country. This is like 2008. And so we decided to drive across the country, and we were taking I-10 across the um, southern part of the United States, all the way across to California, then taking I-5 all the way up to Portland. And so we decided to make this trip, right? But this is back in the day, before you had any of these apps that I've been bashing all night. And so we had to use something even worse called MapQuest, and you had to print off. You had to print off. Now, MapQuest at the time was brilliant, okay? But we had pages for like a 10-day road trip. We had a binder of driving directions. And we got to Houston. And I'll never forget, it was Father's Day 2008. Because I said, who's working on this Sunday? And God, Why? Because the whole of I-10 was shut down. I don't know if there was an accident. I don't know. They were doing highway repairs. And we, we were stuck in a three-hour delay. And we couldn't get around it because we were dependent on turn-by-turn directions. And we didn't have the forethought or the ability to say, you know, we know we're just headed west. Let's get off the highway and just keep going west, and somehow we'll reconnect back to the highway. And I think that's how many of us live. We're sitting here waiting, God, tell me what to do next. Tell me what to do next. Tell me what to do next. God's like, just walk. Just go. There's something in your way, find a way around it. Find a way over it. And, 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 and I'll say this like tactfully, and I'll say this as graciously as I don't even smile. We're grown-ups. Like, and God's like, hey, let's act like it. Hey, let's walk forward. Hey, let's, you know, find your true north. This is the direction and learn how to course correct. Learn how to self-correct. To get back on track and say, you know, I got, like, listen, I got sidetracked. I got distracted for a week, for a month, for years. I've been there. I blew up my life. 
and thought I left this city coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel, looking at the city skyline thing, and I blew my chance to fulfill God's vision for my life. And yet somehow, by his grace, somehow by his mercy, said, hey, you can course correct. You can get back on track. You can get back on this path. And listen, if he did that for me, I know he'll do it for you. And so learn how to self-correct. Finally, learn to pivot and adapt. Step number five. Now, this might seem contrary to the previous points I just made, but let me explain. See, vision, vision is not linear, meaning that it's not like point A to point B, just a straight line, easy, no obstacles, no challenges, right? We've, we've talked about that. There are detours, there are delineations, and you have to accept that. You have to realize and accept that there are things that are not going to go exactly the way you intended or exactly the way you planned. There are things that are gonna, you're going to experience and come up against that are going to kind of push you off course, sort of like swimming in the ocean, and you're trying to make your way back to the shore, and you hardly ever come out of the water at the same point you entered the water. And in the same way, you have to learn how to accept that. And what I realize is that there are a lot of people that this becomes kind of the crushing moment in their journey because they're incapable of pivoting. They had such a kind of like strict or or, or kind of exact way things needed to happen. Things were supposed to happen. And when they don't happen that way, they crumble. Well, that's that's not the plan. It's kind of like Krista preached about a couple weeks ago. That's not the blueprint, God. That's not the way I had envisioned this. That's not the way I was told it was going to happen. It didn't work that way for Ricky. <laughs> and now it's not like, you know, what, what, what's going on? How, why is this not happening? And I love this quote. Um, uh, I, I should have marked the Arthur, but, it, but it's, it's something that I just kind of hang on to. And it's this quote. She, she wrote, she said, nature has a way of breaking what does not bend. And man, as a kid, where I spent my adolescence in Florida, August of 2004, for whatever reason, Daytona Beach became like Hurricane Alley. We had four hurricanes in the span of four weeks kind of come through Daytona Beach. And I remember after that month, there were trees that were like bent over like this, like palm trees, just like permanently like waving, you know, permanently curved over. There were others that were certainly snapped. Whatever it is, like nature has a way of breaking what does not bend. And the same is true for our spirits. The same is true for our emotions. The same is true for the way we lead our lives. If we're unwilling or unable to pivot and say, you know what, actually, here's a detour. Let me kind of go down this road. Hey, let me adapt. The circumstances change. My knowledge changed. You know, people always say, well, you changed your mind on that. I'm like, yeah, because my information changed. Shouldn't we be benefited or blessed because we decided to grow, (laughs) because we decided to change and adapt, not just stay rigid or stuck? And so you have to be willing to to change. I I was talking this week with a guy. He just retired. uh, This was on Thursday, so we are now Sunday. So 46 days ago, 46 days ago, he retired after 20-plus years in the Air Force. And now he's just stepped into an incredibly large and global influential organization. And he's now the director of all of, like, everything online. And so we were talking about, like, tech, and that was kind of the, the, the genesis of this, this call um, and, and what some of the, the things that they were looking to do. And, and he's, he, he's a Christian, and, and, and we started talking about, like, leadership. And we, we just got sidetracked talking about, like, 
leadership. And, 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 and he said something that, you know, he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, I've got to kind of like help, you know, the, you know, there is change fatigue and I'm 43 days into my job and people are like already like, oh, what, what's changing next? And they're like, you know, kind of like worried about these things. And, and, and so I shared with him this quote from a professor in Harvard uh, who, who wrote, leadership is about um, helping people navigate change at a rate that they can stand. Uh, and, and so the, as a leader, you have to kind of do this. He's like, yeah, he's like, exactly. He's like, here's what I told my team. I wrote this down because it was so good. He says, I keep telling my team, we are married to the vision, but we are just dating the priorities and we're only flirting with the processes. We are married to the vision, but we are only dating the priorities and we're just flirting with the processes. He's like, we're going to keep the vision the same, but our process is, listen, we're just flirting here. We're not stuck in any relationship. This is non-committal. If there's a better process, if there's a better way, we're going to pursue that. Our priorities, that's what they are at the moment. So we're dating. There's a little bit more tie in there. But if circumstances change, if our situations change, listen, our priorities then need to pivot and adapt as well. And I think this is something that's so instrumental for those who are able to fulfill the vision that God has for their lives is if they're able to pivot and to adapt. And we say this all the time, even about Meta Church. We say, this is Krista's idea. It was like, this is just our lemonade stand. This is the equivalent of God saying to us, hey, go on the corner and sell lemonade. Us starting MetaChurch, that's it. If, if tomorrow God came and said, listen, time, different assignment. I pray to God that we would have the sincerity and the humility and the eagerness to embrace that change, to pivot and adapt. The vision is still the same. God, I believe, has given and crafted a vision for our church to change the city and change the world. And how we do that, the mechanism, the vehicles, the processes, all of that stuff can pivot, we can adapt, we can respond to the circumstances and the situation just as we have over the past few years. But we are married to that vision. We're going to do whatever it takes to change the city so that we can change the world. See, for you and your own life, you need to be flexible enough to pivot when needed, but get this, convicted enough to remain when necessary. Flexible enough to pivot when needed, but convicted enough to remain when necessary. These five things, identifying the why behind the what, starting with the end in mind, eliminating distractions and burdens, knowing your true north and knowing how to self-correct, and then fifth and finally, learning to pivot and adapt. If you can adhere to these things, if you can commit to these things and remain disciplined and steadfast, let's say for the next year, you will be blown away by how much closer you are to fulfilling God's vision for your life. You can commit to these things, let's say, for the next five years, seven years, 10 years, or in my case, 18 years. You will see God do the unimaginable in you, through you, and ultimately, ultimately for you. So these things will help you. We're going to take a break for just a second, but before I do, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over God's vision for each of your lives and then we'll take a short, like, three, four-minute break before we return back with a couple final things as we talk specifically and pivot toward MetaChurch. So, Father, I pray over each and every person. God, those who are here present in the room, those who are catching up or watching this later online, um, digitally, uh, God, I pray over your vision for each of their lives. God, there is something specific, something unique, something destined for each person. And, Lord, I thank you that as a person, as a friend, as a pastor, as a leader, I get to play a small part in helping activate that. God, what a gift and what a privilege. I pray, Lord, that 
whether it's talks like this or one-on-one -on -one conversations or, or individual prayers, Lord, that the things that we share as a church, the things that we offer, would help each and every one of them move toward your vision, fulfill your vision for their lives. God, that it's so much bigger than work. It's so much bigger than like, you know, a marital status on Facebook or Insta or whatever they want to put that. It's so much bigger than like opening a bank app and seeing how much is in the account. Or there's so much more. And I pray that this night, tonight, this talk, this conversation is just a means to helping unlock it and access it. And that again, people would move forward to fulfill the God-given vision for each of their lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.